So just when you thought the holidays were over, we're going to extend them for just a little bit longer. But I don't blame you if you're ready to put away all the decorations, because the holidays can be hard work. There's a lot of preparation that goes into getting ready for Christmas. The shopping and the wrapping and the traveling, it can exhaust us. And so it's understandable when we're ready to put it behind us. I was at my in-laws last week on New Year's Day, and I offered to help my father-in-law take down the Christmas lights, and he said, no, no, I don't do that until after the Super Bowl. (laughs) He said, that's when the season's over. (laughs) But according to our liturgical calendar, The Christmas season ended this past Sunday with Epiphany, which we celebrate together again tonight. Epiphany has its roots in the song that we just heard and in the scripture that I just read, a story of wise men coming from the east who observed the star at its rising. They came to pay homage to the Christ child, born King of the Jews, bearing gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they went home by another way. Epiphany is about God becoming flesh. It's about incarnation, revelation, and manifestation. According to the dictionary, an epiphany is an event or action that clearly embodies something. And in this case, in the case of our faith, it's God being embodied as one of us. God becomes flesh in Yeshua, a child born in a manger, King of the Jews. Jesus was a king like no other. Rather than thrones and castles, money and things, he was born to peasants in a manger, poor and lowly. And he lived his life that way, among the oppressed and the poor, which says something very important. It reveals something in his epiphany that we need to pay attention to. God cares about the disenfranchised the lonely, the forgotten. And God comes into this world seeking justice and peace. The psalm assigned for this epiphany is Psalm 72. And like many of the psalms, it speaks of justice. And I want to share just a few verses to you. You'll you'll hear the allusion to Jesus and His birth and to the coming of a king and also to those who are coming from afar to to bear gifts. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the king's son, that he may rule your people righteously and the poor with justice. He shall defend the needy among the people and shall rescue the poor and crush the oppressor. He shall come down like rain upon the mown field, like showers that water the earth. The kings of Tarshish and of the isles shall pay tribute, and the rulers of Arabia and Saba offer gifts. All kings shall bow down before him, 
and all the nations do him service. For he shall deliver the poor who cries out in distress, and the oppressed who has no helper. Jesus fulfills God's desire. God comes in this child and takes the side of the poor. God relates to those through Christ who are overlooked, ignored, pushed to the margins. God feels their pain by becoming one of them, offering hope to the world. A couple of years ago, Richmond was visited by Brian Stevenson, who is the author of the best-selling book, Just Mercy. Some of you may have seen him at VCU. He's also the founder of the Equal Justice Initiative, which is a legal practice that defends the poor and wrongly condemned. And while he was here, Brian suggested that there are a few things that we can do to create more justice. These are ways we can participate in God's work in the world. In addition to remaining hopeful, which can't be underemphasized, Stevenson suggested the need to reshape our story, to change the narrative that sustains inequality and injustice, to tell the truth about our racial history, which is something we're committed to here at Richmond Hill. As we sit between the stories of revolutionary freedom on the one hand and the stories of a slave market and bondage on the other, we have to tell the truth. We have to keep telling that story and remaining hopeful. And Stevenson says the first thing, though, we need to do is we have to get proximate. If we want to change the world, we want to create more justice, the first thing we've got to do, we've got to get proximate to the people who are suffering, who are being excluded, who are disfavored, which is what God was doing in Jesus. God was coming to be with the people, with those who were marginalized and forgotten, taking human form, getting close to us. We can't change things from a distance, says Stevenson. Political solutions often take root too far away to be grounded in an understanding of the problem. When you get close to a problem, you see the detail, you see the nuances. And until we get proximate to communities where there's poverty and suffering and violence and despair, until we get proximate to people who are dealing with trauma and neglect, we're not going to be able to change things. Epiphany is a reminder that God comes to be proximate with us and that we are asked to be proximate with each other, to seek justice where it is most needed. That's how we begin to make a difference in the world. The story of Epiphany is also a story of inclusion. God was revealed in Christ for the sake of all. The wise men were representative of the Gentile world, other ethnic groups, those who were outside the Jewish tradition. They serve as a reminder that God's love is intended for everyone. Perhaps the wise men went home by another way to tell the world that very thing. God loves all of us. God came in Christ to save the world, to bring justice 
and peace. The word Christmas comes from two words. One is Christ, or the one who saves, and mus or mass, which means mission, the mission of God to seek justice in the world. So the world literally means God's purpose in coming in human form. We might say to seek justice, to walk humbly, to love kindness. God asks that of us, and God practices that in our midst. The mission of Christ speaks to God initiative, God's initiative and God's method. It is not first and foremost about our seeking God, but this season is a reminder that God seeks us. God seeks us out and comes to us. It's about what God is doing, about a loving God who cared and cares enough to be with us, to be proximate. And we celebrate that this evening together, reminding us to align ourselves with that same mission, a mission of justice and a mission of peace. This holiday season, we hung a banner out on the corner of 23rd and Grace, Some of you have probably been past there. You might have noticed. It says, celebrate his coming and by his light, transform our metropolitan city. Celebrate his coming and by his light, transform our metropolitan city. We seek to do that together as the Richmond Hill community through our work and through our prayers hoping and trusting that we are aligned with the Christmas purpose and message, with Christ's mission in this world. The Feast of Epiphany brings the Christmas season to an end, but in many ways, it's just the beginning, really. I want to close with a litany that was composed by Howard Thurman, theologian, educator, civil rights leader, and spiritual director to Martin Luther King Jr. He's writing about the end of the Christmas season, but he's really writing about the beginning of something really important. When the song of the angels is still, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flocks, the work of Christmas begins to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among the people, to make music in the heart. The Magi went back by a different way. Were they changed? Were they inspired? We certainly believe they were. May this Christmas and the story we hear again tonight be a reminder to us that we too are inspired people following Christ in the world. So let us again commit ourselves to the mission of justice and peace. Let the work of Christmas begin. Amen.